As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, we are going to continue in our sermon series, Marriage, God's Love Story. Uh, Here's the good news for each one of you, Uh, no matter if you're single, divorced, married, widow or widower, whatever stage of life you are in or whatever stage of marriage, this is God's story. This is God's love story. Because of that reality, it's, it's for each one of us. Uh, this week, we actually had a marriage end. Uh, it ended, I guess you could say, in a bit gloriously as a homecoming. One of our most senior saints, Jermaine Chapman, went to be with the Lord. Jermaine and Walter, they haven't been able to worship with us for quite some time. Uh, infirmed, uh, older folks. They have been married, you ready for this, for 70 Four years. Man, whoa. And so maybe, uh, maybe I wish Walter were here and he could certainly share with us. I mean, how do you, 74 years, that's amazing. And our own Phil K. Hagee, right here, Phil, I love you, Phil. Uh, Phil was married to Maxine, who's with Jesus, and Phil sent me a, a, a poem that he wrote this week on marriage. And so I'm going to read it to you all. We're going to dissect his marriage poem. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do it. But it was... It was awesome. So maybe folks like Phil uh, or, or Walter or those who have been married for those many years uh, could help tell us about marriage. But really what we're going to do is each one of us is look to God, to his word, and to tell us what marriage is all about. Because it is of most importance. Do you know what happened this week alone in the Supreme Court? This week on Friday, word got out with the justices that I was preaching on marriage and they decided hey, we better decide this once and for all what states should do. And so I thought that was kind of funny. I got crickets on that. But they did. They said, you know what? We want to settle the debate once and for all uh, on uh, same-sex marriages. And so supposedly uh, they will make a ruling this year for the remaining 14 states that haven't already illegalized it. Do you know that just it was just last week, that was this week, last week, our very own state, the state of Florida, became the 36th state uh, to legalize same-sex marriage. So marriage is in the newspaper. Marriage is on people's minds. Marriage is an issue to be discussed right now around the water cooler and everywhere else. But no matter what the state thinks, no matter what the state does, and even no matter what the Supreme Court rules on, For us, that is secondary because we are the church. We are God's people and we are called to understand marriage in God's ways, through God's eyes and really honor him with this understanding. You see, as Christians, marriage should be so much different for us. I mean, our marriage should be starkly different than what the world views as marriage. And so, listen, Let's remember, it's not so much of what we're against. And, and we don't want to gather here ammunition, ammunition to throw stones. What we need to do is gather under God's word and say, what are we to be for? And what do we support? And how does, how does the weight of God's love, listen to this, how does the weight of God's love break us and make us into the people that God wants us to be? Well, last week we started this marriage series off by saying, Marriage, it is God's love story. 
We looked at three things last week as a quick reminder. And for those of you who missed, uh, let me encourage you, that sermon and all sermons are online for you to go back and listen to if you'd like. But last week we realized this, is that marriage is God's idea. He was the creator of it. He was the inventor of it. He is for it. The, the Bible begins with a marriage. It ends with a wedding feast. And so because he is the creator, because he is the authority, his voice should have the ultimate authority for us as Christians. What is his view? It's his idea. What God has initiate, initiated, God should govern. He should rule. Well, we saw not only did God, it was God's idea, but also marriage reveals God's character. He made each one of you in his image. That's why you have such great worth. He made both male and female in his image to tell his story, to reveal his character so we can know who he is. The only way for marriage to reveal the character of God of male and female coming together and becoming one. It's amazing how distinctly different a female is, is from a male. And both of us together reflect his character. And then that leads thirdly, nicely, into marriage tells God's love story. This whole thing is God's love story. This whole creation is God's love story. It's out of love that God created. It's out of love that God rescued. It's because of his love for us. And what is ultimate here is it's not you. What is ultimate here is not me. What is ultimate here is not even our marriages. What is ultimate here for every single one of you is God. He always is ultimate. He always has the last word. He does everything for his own glory. And he has everything to tell his own story and to reveal his majesty and the beauty of each one of you. You were created for that story. You were created to know and be loved by that God. And even more than that, your very lives is supposed to be a, a sign that reads God's love story being told here. Katie and I, we love movies. Uh, I think I've told you that over the time. I sometimes get a little bit nervous that the reality of my wife's life is such and living with me is such that she really loves to watch movies, you know? Two minutes, two hours away of thinking about something different. But uh, anyway, we love movies and occasionally we like, she likes, I want you to think it's her idea, not mine, chick flicks. All right, we've watched our share. One of the chicks flicks that uh, we watched uh, was The Notebook. How many people watched The Notebook? I mean, it's an incredible story, all right? I suggest the TV version, but it's a story of a man named Noah, a Noah who sacrificially loves his wife in an incredible way, his wife of many years who, who's lost the ability to remember and what Alzheimer's has done to her and ravaged her mind. Noah so loves her. And he sows there and committed for it. He keeps reminding her of their story. I mean, it was such a beautiful story. And, and after the movie, we walked out of the movie theater. And apparently my name had changed. I was no longer Jeff. I was being called Noah. Now, I want you to know that she was calling me Noah because I acted like the uh, protagonist, the hero of the story. But I think it was more in hopes in hopes that if she called me this name, that this would be like a loving example, love me like Noah. You see, God so loved the world 
that he gave the ultimate protagonist. He gave the ultimate hero, Jesus, to come and to rescue us. And, and here's the reality, to come and more just rescue us, but to come and capture your very heart. To capture your heart so your heart can become one with God. To capture your life story so that your life can mean more than just your little story. It could be a part of his story. I mean, this protagonist named Jesus came so he would give us his name. So he would give us life and life abundantly. And so that ultimately, listen to this, for all of us, he came as the hero so that ultimately we would imitate or mimic his loving example. This is true of all of you. Single, married, divorced, widow. God is calling you to mimic the love of the hero named Jesus. And this is true of all of our marriages. You're, if you're married here, your marriage isn't ultimately for you. Your marriage, by God's design, is for him. It's to, it's to tell a story that the way we love Jesus is the one that is praised. Well, we're going to look at God's word and we're going to look at for all of us that we are all called to be imitators or, or mimic uh, of Christ, imitators of Christ, because we are dearly loved children. We're going to see that the call is for every single one of us to live our lives as in sacrificial love as, as Christ loved us. We're going to see that every single one of us, wife and husband and young person, old person alike, that we all are called to live in willful, willful submission to one another in reverence for Christ because it's his love story we're going to be telling. Hey, can we talk? Can we talk for just a minute before we continue? As we, uh, as we gathered around as a staff and discussed a little bit about this sermon and what was coming up, and we read some of the emails that came in and discussed some of the things from last week's sermon. One thing that just is so clear is we all have such broken stories. And we all have such prejudices about marriage. And we all have such preconceived notions of, of, of what should be said in a sermon like this. I mean, so, some of you are coming in and you're saying, you know, I, I can't wait to hear this sermon. I hope Jeff gives me a, a little bit of ammunition for my marriage. Boy, does my spouse need to hear some of these things. And some of you are coming in, you're already defeated. And some of you are coming in and you're already hard-hearted. And some of you are coming in and we all have baggage. We all have history. We all have wounds. We all have preconceived notions of what marriage should be. Can we let the God talk? I mean, if it's his love story, can we all just turn to him and say, God, would, would you speak? I mean, would you open up each one of our hearts? We acknowledge that we, we come with junk. We come with issues. We, we come with prejudices. Would you speak? Would we let God love us enough to be the storyteller? Would we let God enough to be able to say what role he's going to call you? Maybe even in singleness in his story? Can we let God speak? Because we want God to speak, we're going to turn to his word. Of all the things we do in this worship service, this is the only one that uh, really is going to be without error. In the original, it's God's word. And so can we let God come and speak to us this morning? As we turn to Ephesians 5, some of you have already had prejudices. Some of you say, I know where Jeff's going with Ephesians 5. He's going to jump into that, you know, wife submit thing. He's going to jump into that husband's love thing. Yes, I am, but there's more. You're wrong. God's got a bigger story to tell than just that. So we jump into God's word. We're going to start at Ephesians 5, 1. Because this story 
is bigger than just marriage. This is God's love story that includes marriage. It's for all of us. So let's hear God's holy and errant word that will never lead us astray. And that is for each and every one of you here this morning. I'm going to read Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Skip down in verses 15 through the end of the chapter. Let God speak to our hearts this morning. Hear his word. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. Now, when Scripture says walk, it's it's a Greek word, peripateo. It always means live. Live your life. Your man of your life should be this. Walk in love as Christ loved us and, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We'll skip to verse 15. And by the way, we'll pick up verse 3 next week when we talk about purity. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Is it true of our days? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's all of us. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is he himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Let me just hit pause here. As Paul is droning on about this incredible exhortation, it's kind of confusing to know, is he talking about marriage or is he talking about the church? Because sometimes it seems to be marriage and sometimes it seems to be the church. And here's the point. Yes. Because he wants to tell his story in the covenant language of marriage, they're so interwoven together. It's just one beautiful story. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let us pray. Father, clearly, marriage is your idea. So your voice should have ultimate authority. So God, come and speak. Speak through a broken sinner like me. God, we need to understand what 
your will is for marriage. Not what our state thinks, not what the Supreme Court thinks, not what our neighbors think, not even what we think. But what do you think? Because you want to tell your love story to us through marriage. And that includes everyone who's single and divorced, widowed or widower, or married, young person or old. Oh God, please, for your glory, for the health and the beauty of your church, that she could be spotless and without wrinkle, would you speak? Would you give us ears to hear the voice of Jesus, our bridegroom? Would you give us minds to understand your love story for us? Would you open up every one of our hearts to receive the love of Christ, the sacrificial love of Christ? Can every one of us today experience the staggering depth and the amazing beauty of the love of Jesus so that every heart will overflow with that reality? And God, would you come and the power of your spirit and the good news of the gospel, would you empower our feet to walk in love? Would you empower our feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that are said that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, the bridegroom named Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll see an outline there for you. If you want to follow along with me, the first thing is this is the call that we all, every single one of us, needs to be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. We are all to be telling God's love story. Every single one of our lives means something more than just our lives. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what stage of life you're on, we are to be imitators of Christ. Think of this, why? Because we're telling his story. Because we're telling his love story, our lives need to imitate or mimic the hero of the story. And the hero of the story is Jesus. So each one of us need to be imitators of Christ. The interesting, the Greek word that we translated imitators is the word we get mimic. Mimic. We are to be mimickers, imitators of the hero of God's love story, Jesus. And the bottom line is this. You just can't imitate what you don't know. You just can't mimic that which you're not familiar with. And every one of us has been given a call by the love of God to tell his story. And the way we tell his story is even as broken sinners trying to imitate and mimic the love of Christ. All of us, every single one of us, is to walk in love. That is the call. Not just walk in love, any particular love, but walk in the love of Christ as Christ has loved you, as Christ has given to you, as Christ has sacrificed for you. We are to live our lives. We are to walk in a manner that reflects that love, the love of Christ. All of us, it didn't just say wives, it said all of us are to submit to one another in reverence for Christ. I love that. And the reality is, is that we should be submitting and humbling ourselves to one another because why? That's what Jesus has done. And why? Out of reverence for the fact that we're we're telling a bigger story. We're telling his story. Not just for those who are not married, but specifically for those who are. All of our 
marriages should mimic God's love story. That is why he has brought us together in Christ Jesus. All of our marriages, you ready for this? Should be a place where sacrificial love and willful submission is clearly seen. Because this is what God wants to tell the world about who he is. This is why he gave us this. So the people will look and say, I have never been so amazed at sacrificial love. Where did that come from? I cannot believe at the willful submission. How do you do that? Well, it's only through the love of Christ. Being imitators of God, of Jesus, as dearly loved children. Let me just say one more thing about that. You know what the really, 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 really good news of that is? It doesn't say this. Mimic God so that you will become children of God. Mimic God, imitate God so that you will become a dearly loved person. It says, listen, I already love you eternally. I already love you perfectly. Everything you need, I have given to you in Christ Jesus. I couldn't love you more. I will never love you less. Even on your, your worst day, I am crazy about you. And therefore, imitate me because I am so in love with you. Your picture is on my refrigerator. I gave my very love, my life for you. Secondly, living in sacrificial love as Christ loves us. The profound reality of this is going to be pretty simple. Living in sacrificial love as Christ loved us. Only the loved, only the loved can love as Christ is loved. So here, let me say it again. Only if you've experienced the love of Christ can you mimic it. Only if you know the profound depth of God's love can you imitate it. Only if you've been filled to the core, filled to the brim, a broken vessel like you and me, by the eternal love of God can you give that love. If you don't know the love of Christ, if you don't know the depth of his love, you'll never be able to give it. Some of you just need to turn to Jesus and and be this receptor and say, God, pour, pour your love afresh all over me. Pour me up to the top of your love so it just oozes out of me. That's the point. Only the loved can love as Christ is loved. But we got to realize something about Jesus' love. Everything about Christ's love is sacrificial love. Everything about his love is giving love. Everything about his love is serving love. Everything about his love is laying his life down, laying his rights down, and seeking the welfare of another. You know, in marriages, sometimes like, man, she's just not that lovable. And man, if they do that, I'll do this. And we have this ATM exchange. If I punch in the right numbers, I'll get the right stuff back. And that's not what sacrificial Jesus love's all about. Jesus' love is not this tit for tat, you give, I will respond. It's this dance. No, 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 no. Jesus' love that we're to give for each one of us is us giving no matter what the response is. Everything about Jesus' love is life-giving. Everything about his love is making beautiful those who are being loved. You see, think of marriage. The whole goal, husbands, of loving your wife is not so that they give you something. The whole goal of loving your wife isn't so they complete in you something. The whole goal of loving our wives is that they are made more beautiful in Christ Jesus because of the way we sacrifice our love to serve them and to love them, and to give ourselves up for them. 
It's an incredible challenge here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave. He gave himself up for her. The language is he sanctified her. He set her apart. He cleansed her. He washes her in the word, which basically means this. He brings her into God's bigger story and says, there is a God who loves you. That's the role of the husband. It's to call their wives into a greater story so that they can show the love of Christ the way they love them. How does he love again? He loves when we're not worthy. Your spouse will not be worthy sometimes. He loves by serving. He loves by laying down his life. He loves by honoring his father, by lifting others up. That should be our rule. That should be our model. Love our, love our wives by emptying out ourselves as Christ did. Let me just take a moment and say, let me, let me tell you some I think the pitfalls are. Don't ever ask marriage to do that which it was never intended to do. Don't ever look to marriage to do that which it was never designed to do. And here's what marriage was never designed to do. You ready? Complete you. It was never designed to fulfill you. It was never designed to give you endless happiness and joy. If you think that marriage is to complete you, give you endless happiness and joy, you are setting yourself up, your spouse up for disappointment every time. Why? Because you're asking your marriage to do something that only God can do. I love what the book of Ecclesiastes says. It says that God has put eternity in each one of our hearts. If God has put eternity in our hearts, what can fill it? Can a good marriage fill eternity? Do you know how many single people I've, I've talked to that, that tell me, Jeff, man, if I can just find that right spouse, I will be happy. If I can just get that right person, or for those of us who are married, if I can get the right person to start acting the right way, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be complete. I'm going to be, it's going to be good. I'm going to say, you're crazy. You're crazy. And I mean, it's worse than that. You're, you're, you're in sin. You're, you're a single person. You're looking to man and to a spouse to do that which only God can do. Whoa, you better repent of that. And if you're married and you're looking for your spouse to make you complete and make you eternally happy, they're standing in the place of God. Stop it. It's going to affect your spiritual life. It's going to affect your marriage. Marriage isn't ultimately to make you complete and happy and joyful. God is. Marriage is to reflect him. Don't look for your spouse to be something they can't. They can't complete you. They can't fix you. Only Jesus can. And for those of you who are trying, you think, nobly, to stand in the whole of your spouse's heart of eternity, that whole of eternity, thinking it's noble. Let me tell you this as well. It's sinful. It's repugnant. Every time you stand in a place to, to try to be Jesus in a way that they see you and not him, I'm telling you, that's idolatry. And it's really bad. We need to repent. Your spouse needs Jesus. And they need you to bring Jesus to them. Listen, I could tell you this as passionately because I have failed in everything. For the first 15 years of my marriage, I tried to be Jesus. I wanted to be her identity. I wanted to be her joy. I wanted to be her meaning. I wanted to be her rock. And I got to tell you the truth, I was kind of jealous of this guy named Jesus. I, I didn't want him to have something I didn't have. I wanted it all. I wanted to stand there. And when I couldn't make that one person happy, just that one, that song at the end of 
that stupid chick flick, Sleepless in Seattle, make someone happy. Just one someone happy. I just wanted one someone happy. Just one. I couldn't do it. That wasn't my fault. I never was designed to do it. Only God could. Because eternity is in my wife's heart. And if I really loved her, if I really, really loved her, I'm not going to be Jesus. I'm going to bring her Jesus. I'm going to gather up in the arms of faith Jesus and say, this is the one that will fulfill you. This is the one that will give you meaning. This is the one that will give you hope. This is what you've been longing for. His name is Jesus. May I decrease, may he increase. And I want you to know it's been a long time ago since I've had that revelation. And I wish I could tell you I'm a lot better. But I've, I've asked my spouse to be my everything and I've had to repent. I've stood in a place wanting to be my wife's everything, and I've had to repent. It was great. She was in the early service. And can you imagine being married to me during a marriage thing? I had to tell the congregation, quit looking at her. Stop it. I said, you know what's going to happen in the late service? People are going to say, Jeff's wife didn't even show up. It was so bad in the Jake's household. He's, he's talking about roles of marriage. He's like, I can't even stand it. As far as you know, she gave me a standing ovation when I was done. The point is this. What your spouse does need is Jesus. And loving is giving, no matter how they respond, and giving of him. Lastly, living in willful willful submission and reverence for Christ. Living in willful submission and reverence for Christ. That's an easy thing, isn't it? Let's just close in prayer. That's That's good. But there's something beautiful even about this, ladies. Hang on. You see, God's word reveals to us that there is one true and living God. There is one God that we need to know and know and love and, and honor. And this one God exists in three persons. There is, there is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are, they're separate, but they're one in substance. And listen to this. And they're equal in power and glory. And the Son is no less gl- more lesser, more glory or power than the Father and the Holy Spirit. They're all the same. They're equal in power and glory, and yet there's loving submission. And yet there's loving. And and for God to come and rescue us, the, the, the Son would say to the Father, although we're equal in power and glory, I will willingly, I will lovingly, I will submit. You see, we have the beauty and the privilege of reflecting who God is, that we have the privilege of reflecting Jesus even as we submit to one another and wives submit in marriage because it reveals his character. I got to tell you, it's, it's not vogue to talk about a wife submitting to their husbands. Every time I do a wedding, and this is mentioned, I, I, I kind of blush. I think, man, people are going to think, this guy's wacko. He still believes in this nonsense? It's not in vogue that a wife should ever submit to her husband if she thinks she's the lesser. Because here's what you got to hear. Let's make clear. A woman is never the lesser. A woman is a joint heir in Christ Jesus. A woman is an equal with a man in every way, shape, or form, ontologically in their being. Every way. They are equal. And a woman will never submit to their husband in a biblical sense unless she knows that she's an equal, not a lesser. But any submission should be done in a way that tells Christ's love story as an equal willingly laying down her rights 
for another, just as the husband has done to love her. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. Loving biblical submission never submits to anything that's evil, anything that's harmful, anything that puts your person, your, even your soul in danger is not what God is asking you to do to submit. And husbands, if you ever tell your wife it is, you, stop it. You gotta love them as Christ loved the church. And it starts with us. It starts with us laying our lives down and, and providing a safe place for this to take place. Never do we have a, just a trump card. This does not mean that we have a trump card we pull out at any time. Hey, 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 oh, submit to me. I wanted steak tonight. Give me that dang remote control. It's biblical, woman. Oh, man. It always should be done in loving dialogue. It always begins with a husband. If we love our wives properly, showing them that we are submitting to Christ and we are loving them, it'd be a whole lot easier. And the gospel will lead this to you. I don't know what it all looks like, to be honest with you. But I know it's always in a loving dialogue. I'll tell you a quick story, and it's this, is that Katie and I were coming back from a trip. It was very late at night, and a light came on that told us that we needed gas. But the good thing about me and my knowledge of my car is I always know exactly how many miles I have to actual empty. That is just an ignoring little bing that I could choose to ignore or not. Uh, but, you know, Katie hears the bing. She knows it's late at night. We are on the turnpike. There's one more gas station before we make our way home. And she lovingly says to me, hey, Jeff, why don't we stop and get gas? She didn't know I had it all figured out. I had it calculated to the mile. We are in good shape. No problem. No siree, Bob. We're making good time. We're going to make it all the way home. I don't know what happened with my car that day because I know it really well and my calculations are spot on. But somewhere in the middle of Claremont, in the middle of nowhere, about one something in the morning, we happened to run out of gas. And I'm trying to call and try to get some help and try to get people to show up and you know, be the man and not admit any mistakes. What's wrong with this car? I mean, I, that thing bings. I got 48 good miles left. What's going on here? Got to get this thing checked out. A couple weeks later, we, we met with a friend that loved us enough to tell us his truth, and that story came out, and she looked at me, and she basically said this, Jeff, you're an idiot. <laughs> she said, you know, God gave you Katie and you don't listen to her. God gave you a helpmate that was smart enough to say, maybe we should get gas, but you thought you knew better. And you discounted her, Jeff. And I think this about your life, I think you do it a lot. And now I say you're meddling, all right? You say we're right. And I, I know that when it comes to loving, and I know when it comes to submission, I, I know that this, there's this loving dialogue between two co-heirs in Christ Jesus. And if you're married, God has given you a blessing of a spouse to bounce off life with. And, and if you're understanding this in a Christ-like way, man, we are just so giving up our lives for our wives. It's so, it is so about them becoming beautiful, spotless and without a wrinkle in the gospel because we're just bringing them to Jesus. And women, if, if God has called you to, at the end of the day, to, to lay down a will and say, you know what, I'm gonna follow that lead because I could trust you because we always head to Jesus. We always bathe this in prayer. And this is not about some cavalier, macho thing that you're leading me to. You, want, you care for me. And you want me to be more like Jesus.
I'll follow. Because I need him too. That's what it looks like. I, I got one of the most heartbreaking prayer requests last week. I mean, seriously, weep over it. And if it was yours, I'm weeping over it still. About a marriage that's in shambles and it's a fake and how the husband is doing so much and the wife's just not responding and maybe her faith isn't even real. And it was just, it was bad. It was bad. It was kids were involved. It was awful. And if it's you, let's talk. Don't, don't, don't live in that by yourself. I am so sorry. And not to be simple or simplistic, but Jesus has got to get there. You know, you, you talked about your wife had changed over your years of marriage. I won't even tell you how many because I don't want to give it away. Of course she did. Hello? We all change. You talked about all the things that she wasn't. We could do that with all of our wives. But Jesus is our only hope. I mean, the only hope is to cast your marriage on him and, and to say, God, can you take this, can I say crap, and, and make this your love story? This is, this is a sham. This is a joke. Can you change this into your love story? Yes, he can. Washes in the word. If we can love him as Christ loved the church. So hang on, you can say you have tried. Let me tell you, I mean surrender to him. If God wants to tell his love story through you, will you let him? If God wants to tell his love story through your singleness, will you let him? If God wants to tell his life story through you, will you let him? Will you let God dictate? Well, can he be the director? Can he tell you the roles? Can he tell you how the, the characters are supposed to act? He told us, be imitators of God. Be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. The best hope for your life, it's Jesus. The best hope for your marriage, it's Jesus. Be more like him. And surrender it and say, God, you are the director of all things. Come and speak. Come and build. Come and let me be an imitator of Christ because I am a dearly loved child. Come and let me walk in love as Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. Come and let me submit to one another in reverence to Christ. Come and may my life, may my marriage, may this church be a place that says God's love story being told here. Let us pray. I think that at the end of sermons like this, Jesus, I wonder if there's a chuckle in heaven. Thinking, well, Jeff just preached that sermon? Hmm. Because the reality is, God, I, I, I need to live and execute some of these principles. God, forgive me. I, I say this genuinely for not loving as Christ loved the church. Forgive me for not submitting as Christ has submitted to you, the Father. Forgive me for standing in the place where only Jesus should stand. Forgive me for thinking my marriage is about me. Forgive me for continually thinking my life is about me. Forgive me for being the director of my own life. Forgive me for always just thinking of me. And you've called us to something so much more. God, I pray for the couples that are hanging on. I pray for the couples that have a, have a mask on, that things are good, but there's nothing there. God, I pray for the single who's just so lonely. God, I pray for the widow or the widower who's just so brokenhearted. And one thing I know about each one of us is that we got a hole the size of eternity in our hearts. And marriage isn't going to fill it. 
Only you are. And so, God, I pray that the love of Christ would continue to pour over us so it could pour out of us to a world that desperately needs to see and hear and taste and experience your love story. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.